everyone. Welcome to our webinar. My name is Tashia Rasool. And my name is Emily Flaz. We're attorneys here at the Lois Law Firm. As I'm sure you all know, here at the Lois Law Firm, we represent employers and carriers in uh, workers' compensation claims in New York and New Jersey. You can find all of the information about our firm on our website, lois-llc.com. As you know, the managing partner is Greg Lois. I'm sure you're all very familiar with him, um, know who he, who he is. Yes. Um, so, as I'm sure you also know, we conduct monthly webinars in both uh, New York and New Jersey topics. The New and, York, and the New York ones are on Mondays, correct? The third Monday of every month? Yes. yes. And um, they're presented by attorneys in our office who actually practice in New York. And um, the links to the to sign up for the webinar can be found on the website. Also, a schedule of the upcoming webinars and the topics can also be found on the website. And if you enjoy this webinar so much and you want to watch it again or you want to watch some of the ones that we've done in the past, you can go to the website and there's, there are links to the archived videos on there as well. So check it out when you have a chance if you want to learn more about us and more about what we do here at the Lois Law Firm. And we also have some other resources yes. for you. Um, as she was saying, um, if you go to the link um, www.lois-llc.com, you can also find um, articles that we post um, monthly. My topic um, this week um, and month was um, the coming and going rule. Um, Tashia also um, writes on different issues as well um, in the workers' compensation um, law. Uh, we also have a handbook, which I'm sure all of you all are familiar with, with. and in Chapter 6, we specifically talk about um, the coming and going defense. So after this webinar, if you're interested in further educating yourself about this defense, you can um, go to Chapter 6 and um, research it, or you can email either myself or Tashia um, after this webinar as well. Right, and the handbook is authored by Greg Lewis, who is the managing yes. partner of the firm, so you can reach out to him at any time with any questions you have, or you can reach out to us as well, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. All right, so today we're here to talk about the going and coming defense. It's one of the many defenses, right, Emily? Yes. yes. Um, specifically, we... Um, have had other webinars regarding um, the defenses of notice, statute of limitations, non-employee, intentional, recreational, personal actions, and lunchtime. However, as Tashia said, today we're talking about the coming and going defense. Right. Um, in New York workers' compensation law, there is a presumption that if an accident um, occurs in the course of the employment, it is presumed to arise out of the employment and is therefore compensable. Mm -hmm. However, um, there are certain exceptions um, to this, I'm sorry, certain defenses to this, which is today what we're talking about, the coming and going defense. Mm -hmm. um, the coming and going defense is something that we use when the accident does not actually occur at the workplace, and therefore it is um, considered not to be um, arising out of the course of the employment. Right. Um, however, there are exceptions of to... Of course there are exceptions, right? Of course there are exceptions to the coming and going defense. Um, specifically, the exceptions um, are outside workers, um, special errands, paid travel expenses, and um, home office situations. And these are only some of them. We're, we these only have awesome. time to go through a few because we want to give you an idea of um, the types of situations that would possibly come up as an exception 
And to give you an idea of the, situ the, the circumstances or situations yeah. um, that could trigger the going and coming defense. You know, yeah. more information about additional types of situations are also in the handbook yes. as well. So you can take a look there, too. Or exactly. you can feel free to reach out to us with any questions you have of any particular situations. Exactly. And um, regarding the parking lot um, exception, um, typically this arises when an employee um, slips and falls um, in a parking lot and um, he commonly commutes to and from um, a fixed work site. Mm -hmm. um, the special errands defense um, exception to the defense um, arises when an employee, um, as you um, have previously stated, I believe, um, is directed by the employer to um, engage in a special errand um, on behalf of the employer. Yeah, something that may not be typically part of the employment, but we'll talk a little more about that. Yes. So, what do we do when we have situations like these? That's one of the first questions that employers and carriers ask. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, if we do nothing, it's deemed compensable, right? Like any regular workers' compensation claim that involves, let's say, the issue of whether an accident even occurred or whether there was proper notice or cause or relation, if you don't do anything, it's presumed to be compensable. So because these situations are very fact-specific and the record must be developed, what we recommend is denying them. Deny them outright and conduct investigation. The reason is, if you go ahead and you do nothing or outright accept the claim, then it's virtually impossible to go back and say, hey, we now want yes. to deny because we don't believe um, it's compensable. Exactly. And um, typically in claims that we're denying, we file a FROYO 4 and a SHROYO 4. Right. Or a FROYO 4, yes. right, if it's the first uh, um, pleading that's being filed. Yes. Um, so it, it's, it's being denied the same way as any other claim is being denied. So we'd recommend that the carrier file the Froyer's Royo 4, and your attorney typically files the P at 16.2 and must file the OC 400.5. Yes. And a reminder, in order for it to be timely, it must be filed within 25 days of the notice of indexing. Yes. Okay. So we'll, um... We'll talk a little about some of the situations that trigger the going common defense and look at some of the factors that the courts have looked at in determining whether there's a defense or whether it should be compensable. The most popular one is yes. a slip and fall in the parking lot. We have seen so many of these, so right? Many. Especially because this can arise um, in many different situations with all different kinds of employers because most employees... Um, either um, drive to and from work or carpool to and from work. So, um, you know, the parking lot situation arises very commonly. Right. And as you previously indicated, um, if you're just uh, commuting to and from, like, a fixed location, it's not deemed compensable because commuting time is not a part of the employment, right? But there are... Um, there are several factors that we have to consider Yes, uh, when we have the parking lot situation, and sometimes it gets a little tricky, but again, developing the record and eliciting all of the specific facts is very important. So some of the factors to consider are whether the parking lot was actually owned by the employer. Yes. If the parking lot was owned and controlled by the employer, 
then, you know, the defense, um, it may not be as strong because yes. the claimant would argue that they did have control of it. Whatever hazardous um, element was in the parking lot was the responsibility of the employer yes. to remove it, so it should be work compensable. Um, Similarly, like you um, said, if it was owned by the employer, but also if it's not owned by the employer but maintained by the employer, um, the claimant may also argue that um, the coming and going defense does not apply here because, again, as you said, the employer um, maintained it and had control over the um, parking structure and parking lot. Right, and by maintaining, we mean, like, who does the yes. snow removal or who fills the potholes or yes. who takes care of, like, the flooding issues in the parking lot, right? Mm -hmm. And one of, the, um, one, of, one of the other factors that they look at is, well, was the employee directed to park in a specific location in the parking lot that, I guess, caused him to sustain the injury that he's alleged yeah. that he sustained, right? So... These are situations where, for example, the employer is telling the employee to park far away from the, the building so that the closer parkings for the customers, right? Yes. In that situation, the employer is actually directing the employee where to park. So if an injury happens in the parking lot and it happened in the area where there was something that's peculiar about it, um, that could have been avoided or prevented or not mm -hmm. be present if they had parked closer, they can very well argue that because they told me to park in this particular area, it should be compensable. Yes, and I think, as you said, um, this often arises in um, retail situations where the employer is a retail um, is a retailer and they have customers that you know want to park closer to the entrance or exit of the um, establishment therefore the employer directs the employees to park at a far off parking lot or a specific area of the parking lot um, to, pro to provide um, easier ingress and egress for the customers right. so um, mm -hmm. when you have an employer with a situation um, that's a retailer and um, there's a claim involving um, an employee getting injured in the parking lot this is something to um, further investigate. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what about travel time? Um, so for travel time, um, typically when an employee is traveling or commuting to and from a fixed location um, and he's injured during that commuting time, the claim is not compensable. However, um, for the example of the traveling salesman, um, where travel is inherent in his employment and he is injured um, during that travel time, the claim is often found compensable by the board and by the courts. Um, again, this is because travel is so inherent um, in his employment, and therefore the board finds that that period is um, to in furtherance of his employment. Right. It's a part of his job. I yeah. mean, he has to travel to locations in order to be... The, the salesman that he is, right? He has to go to different locations to s try to sell whatever he's trying to sell. Yes. Right? And um, as um, displayed in this example, um, the most common situation is when an employee um, is like a consultant or um, a pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical salesman. Let's say he's um, injured um, while he's you know, taking a flight um, to a different location and um, slips and falls in the airport. Although he's commuting to a not-fixed location and um, traveling, that travel is so inherent in his employment that the boards obviously find this um, or commonly find this claim compensable. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so another example of um, an exception, right, is the special errands yeah. situation. 
Now, there's really no bright line about what's a special errand or what isn't a special errand or, you know, um, how it could be deemed to be um, a work-compensable claim. The courts have said that there are uh, factors that need to be um, examined to determine whether the employee was engaged in a special errand. And two of these factors are encouragement by the employer and facilitation by the employer. Now, in a landmark case of Neocosia, this is a situation where the claimant was a security guard, right? Mm -hmm. He worked for the transit authority, um, I'm sorry, the power authority, and uh, the employer, as part of the employment, Mm -hmm. provided a service where they can take their uniforms to a particular dry cleaner or like a list of dry cleaner to get them cleaned. Mm -hmm. And one day, the claimant after work, took his uniform to the dry cleaner, and after leaving the dry cleaner, he got into a car accident and he was seriously injured. Now, this claim went up the chain through the uh, the appellate division. Yes. And it found that the, the Court of Appeals found that the claim was compensable, and it was wow. compensable because it was an activity that was encouraged by the employer. They said... Hey, go take your 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 uniform to this particular uh, dry cleaning place. You get like a discount, or you don't. You know, you wouldn't have to pay for it. And the employer also facilitated it by setting up or making the arrangement for the dry cleaning uh, facility to yes. um, accept the the uniforms and clean them. Right, and the board found that because the employer also benefited from it, the employer did receive some benefits. Um, that it's it's work compensable. Yes, um, like you said, um, based on the facts of that case, the employer specifically encouraged and facilitated um, the employee to travel to that laundromat. And even though he was on his way home, um, it's interesting that the board found and the court of appeals actually found um, that the claim was compensable because um, his traveling to that um, laundromat was. Um, a benefit and encouraged and facilitated by the employer. Right. And then another example would be a situation where, let's just say for the example, the employer is having an event after work mm-hmm. and the employer asks one or two of its employees to go pick up like food or, you know, drinks that are needed for the event. That would be a special errand, right? Yes. Because it's being done for the employer, requested by the employer, encouraged by the employer. Yes. Um, of course, with any situation, it must be developed, right? The facts must be developed. Yes. So we're just like giving um, examples of situations where it could be um, an exception to the going and coming defense. Yes. But in everyone, the, the facts must be developed to see if it's actually what, yes. like a special errand or it was like travel time. Yes. Um, so, because, all right. Yeah, and because you said the factors are like encouragement and facilitation, um, these facts, um, and every employer may um, encourage and facilitate um, these special errands or these facts so differently um, the facts surrounding the incident um, are so important, as you said, to develop the record. Mm -hmm. So then we have the home office situation, right? Yes. um, With regard to the home office situation, um, because so many employees um, in this day and age um, work from home, um, the board has now um, looked at the home office situation. 
Um, and they're finding that it's not unusual for employees to actually be working from home. No. So it, a, a lot of the claims could be compensable. Right. Yes, a lot of the claims um, are typically found compensable. However, the most important factor is whether the employee was actually working while at home when the injury was sustained. Right. Um, for example, you might have an employee that um, either typically works from nine to five um, at home, or um, works you know biweekly or only a couple of days a week from home. But um, let's say, for example, he's um, typing on his computer and he goes to print a piece of paper out, and while walking to go pick up something from the printer, he trips and falls and sustains an injury. Right. Um, although the employee is at his home, he um, the board would likely find this claim compensable because he was um, injured during the course of his employment. Mm -hmm. However, um, a situation where the claim would likely not be found compensable is where, um, although the claimant may be working from home that day, um, he goes to take out his garbage and trips and falls right. in his driveway. Mm -hmm. um, because there is no furtherance of the employment during that um, walk to the drop off the garbage, um, he would not be found to be... Um, have injured, been injured in the course of his employment. Right. And it's a little more difficult yeah. to uh, defend the situations where it's a home, uh, home employment because there's almost always no witnesses, or at least exactly. no witnesses in favor of the employer or yes. the carrier, right? If anything, the claimant's going to have a witness who is a family member or something who would testify in their favor. Of course, yes. However, because it's... Um, you know, a situation that could be uh, not compensable, we recommend doing as much investigation as possible, you know, yes. getting as much details as possible about the situation, the circumstances surrounding what was going on. Yeah. Um, so that's all we have for you today. Um, that's all the time that we have. Yes. We've only gone through some of the situations, some of the scenarios where there could be exceptions to the going and coming defense. Yeah. Um, there are some more in our the handbook that we talked about earlier. And if you have any questions, unfortunately, this is pre-recorded today. We're not streaming live, so we're not able to answer any of your questions live. But if you do have questions, feel free to email us. You can email either me or Emily. Our email addresses are on yeah. the screen. They're also in the handout that you should have received for um, in preparation for the webinar today. We will review your questions. We'll get back to you as soon as possible. If you need to get on the phone for us to discuss further, yes. we're more than happy to do that as well. Also, please uh, visit our website to sign up for next month's webinar. The topic is going to be indemnity benefits. It's going to be on July 18th. And I will present that along with my other, another colleague, uh, Rachel, Rachel Aronoff. So thank you all thank for you all. Uh, watching today. We hope you learned something and you'll continue to watch our webinars in the future. Thanks. Thank you.